Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Today's episode has been sponsored by Jay McLaughlin. Jay McLaughlin is a timeless lifestyle brand with incredible style and a spirit of connection. I am obsessed with Jay McLaughlin and have been so honored that they are sponsoring my Zibiverse tour. It just so happens that the tour goes to so many communities and areas of the country that have Jay McLaughlin stores. And I love that the brand is philanthropic through Jay McLaughlin's local and loyal programming, host store events to give back to organizations that are meaningful to Jay McLaughlin's local communities. I also love the fact that the clothes are just so chic They make me feel polished and modern, and the best part is that most of the line comes in fabrics that don't wrinkle. I especially love the dresses, the cashmere sweaters, the other sweaters. You'll see them all over my Instagram. I typically tag at McLaughlin, and so you can check it out. It is absolutely one of my favorite brands, and I am over the moon excited to be working with them. In fact, I want to share the love with all of you. Jay McLaughlin is giving 20% off new customers, and listeners of my podcast with special code ZIBBY20, capital Z-I-B-B-Y 20. That's 20% off for new customers and listeners of the podcast with special code capital Z-ZIBBY20. Take advantage of it today. My favorites are this white, open, long cashmere sweater that I've been wearing on every flight that I've taken on this tour. I have a blue with light blue horizontal striped sweater, several dresses I even wore on Corny America. Check it out, Jay McLaughlin. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now, thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com. And definitely check out those shows as well. 
Hi, podcast listeners. I just wanted to wish you all a very happy Thanksgiving, a happy Thanksgiving week. I hope you're catching up on all the back episodes that you may have missed now that you're driving all over or flying or doing whatever. And I just wanted to say how truly, truly, truly thankful I am for all of you, for all of you tuning in regularly, listening to these episodes. I'm thankful for all the authors who have come on as guests and who continue to listen and just everybody who has made this podcast really take off and enabled me to do things like start a publishing company and open a bookstore and do all the things I'm doing. Um, I don't know. I, Without all of you listening and supporting the show, none of this would be possible. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you, thank you, thank you. Have a great Thanksgiving. Deanna Rayborn is the author of Killers of a Certain Age. New York Times and USA Today bestselling novelist Deanna Rayborn is a sixth-generation Texan with a degree in English and history from UTSA. Her novels have been nominated for numerous awards, including the Edgar, RT Reviewer's Choice, the Agatha, Two Daily Wins, and The Last Laugh. She launched a Victorian mystery series featuring intrepid butterfly hunter Veronica Speedwell in 2015. This Edgar-nominated series is ongoing. Her first contemporary thriller, Killers of a Certain Age, chronicles the adventures of four female assassins who must band together against the organization that would rather see them dead than let them retire. Welcome, Deanna. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Killers of a Certain Age. Thank you so much for having me. I will never think about a cruise ship refrigerator the same way again. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Who knew they had so many uses? Who knew? Or frankly, even like now I'm worried about cruise ships. But anyway, okay, I'll stop. Can you please (laughs) tell listeners what your book is about and also what inspired you to write it? So Killers of a Certain Age is about four female assassins who are 60 years old. They're on the cusp of retirement, and they have to band together when they realize the organization they work for would rather see them dead than let them retire. And the book didn't actually start with me. It started with the fine folks at my publisher. I write for Berkeley at Penguin Random House. And they were apparently having a chat one day in the office where they were talking about the fact that there just are not enough books about older women doing kick-ass things. And so they wanted to know if I would be interested in writing something like that. And I said, I mean, because my books have always been about younger women, they're historical I write about one character at a time, you know, usually with a really cool, dishy sidekick and a very large kind of found family or blood family. So this was going to be a complete departure for me. And I was super excited about the idea of doing it. And, you know, they weren't thrown by the fact that I wanted to write 60-year-olds and they were not thrown by the fact that I wanted them to be killers, but they were super surprised that I wanted them to be set in a contemporary setting. That was the part that really, really surprised them. Why? When did they, when did they think it would be? <laughs> they thought I would run, want to write another historical. Okay. And, you know, the brief was like, I could literally do whatever I wanted. They just wanted older women doing badass things. That was the entire brief. <laughs> and, you know, they, they must have asked me at least three times, are you sure you want to do contemporary? And I was like, yes, please. And to their everlasting credit, they let me do it, which I think a lot of publishers probably would not have, but they did. And I loved it. It was so much fun to write. And the hardest thing I've ever written, because I've not done contemporary before, I had to find that contemporary voice. And that was, that was quite an ordeal, but got there in the end. And it was just, it was an absolute blast to write. 
It seemed like fun. There was like a wink and a nod, I feel like, to all of it. You know, like absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. The whole point is for readers to have fun with it and just, you know, take a few hours out of your day, whatever you've got going on. You know, whether you're in Carline picking up the kids from school or you've got to commute to work or, you know, you're lucky enough to be sitting on a beach somewhere, you know, just a few hours out of your day to read this and kind of forget about whatever is stressing you out and just live vicariously as people who kind of deserve to get murdered, get bumped off. Yeah. It's awesome. This feels very movie <laughs> to me. Very cinematic, I should say. <laughs> I feel like I, I... That's that's the hope. That's the hope. <laughs> yeah. So interestingly, you include the backstory with the relationships that a lot of the women are mm-hmm. in. And I found that to be really interesting too. So Helen is, is grieving the loss of her husband mm-hmm. and is sort of shrinking in on herself and the girls yeah. are trying to rally around her to help. And then you have another character who is in a lesbian relationship with her. She has Mary Alice. Okay. Mary, Mary Alice and her wife, Akiko. Akiko. Mm-hmm. Akiko. I thought I was going to say kimono, but I was like, that's not right. Akiko and how this job puts stress on their relationship too, because she's always mm-hmm. taking off. And so you bring a new dimension to a real dimension, not new. I mean, you're just introducing the characters. Tell me about their backstories, their relationships, and and what you're highlighting with each of them and how that is important in this group of four. We know when you look at books or TV series that have quartets of women, and there are a lot of them, you know, it starts with little women. When we're kids, we read this book. And then I was an 80s teen. So I saw Living Single and Golden Girls. And, you know, a decade later, we had Sex in the City. And I don't know what all the cool kids are watching now, but there's probably some show with a quartet of, you know, women in it. Anytime you look at a project that's got four women in it, they seem to fall into these kind of archetypal roles. One of the characters will be a nurturer. One will be a wild child, which we certainly see with Natalie. You know, she's she's our killer who's been married three or four times. And, you know, she's a serial monogamist and she's into mixology. And, you know, she just will never say no to a good party. And then you'll have a character who steps up to take a leadership role. She doesn't particularly want to, but she'll do it because she's good at it. And somebody has to. And that's Billy. That's the character who kind of drives the narrative. We see the contemporary scenes through Billy's eyes. And we see flashback scenes to when they were first recruited, when they first started working together, and what those early missions looked like. Because the book opens with their very first mission. And it's it's it, it kind of goes to hell really, really fast. <laughs> and they've got to you know, scramble and think on their feet and figure out how to salvage this mission, this mission. And Billy's the one who really kind of steps up into that leadership role, even though that's not how she thinks of herself. And that's not something she would have necessarily chosen to do, but it's what she's good at. And, you know, like you said, we've got Helen who 40 years on, you know, because this friendship has, has endured this working relationship has lasted for four decades We've got Helen, who was happily married and is grieving the loss of her husband. Billy has never married, but, you know, there's kind of the one who got away because she told him to. And then, you know, Natalie with her serial marriages. And now we've got Mary Alice, who is very little more than a newlywed. She's only, you know, been been married about three years. And so we see them all at very different stages in their relationship journeys. But they're all in the same place with regard to their relationship with each other which is, I've known you for 40 years, you push all my buttons, but I would literally take a bullet for you. 
and and sometimes they actually have. So, you know, they they trust each other and they know each other in a way that they don't trust or know anybody else in their lives. And so to me, that makes for just this really rock solid friendship where they shorthand a lot of things, you know, because if you've known somebody since you were 20 years old, they know things about you that nobody else knows (laughs) and they know how to get right under your skin. And that's what, that's what they do for each other. And so that playing with that dynamic was, was a great deal of fun because that's another thing that I haven't done a lot of, you know, having usually writing a strong central character and just a lot of supporting characters. It's a very different dynamic than looking at this really incredibly strong four-way friendship that has meant so much to these women throughout their lives. Amazing. Actually, I'm writing this novel and I do have four friends. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, maybe I'm just like copying the Golden Girls and Sex in the City. I'm like maybe it's like a, an, an, you know, I didn't mean to do it, but I'm like, oh, okay. I do have like the one who's wilder. Anyway, whatever. Uh, maybe now I have to go back, but I'm telling you, it's archetypes, man. Yeah. You look back and it, like you look at little women and you're like, oh, there's Joe who's, who's you know, going to take charge when nobody else really can. You've got Meg who's going to be, you know, kindly and nurturing and, and you know, take care of the, 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 the ones who need a little help. And then you've got Amy, again, wild child. And then you always have the one who, who just kind of like drifts along and is, is maybe, you know, kind of a, a still waters running deep situation. Yeah. So, you know, another thing that the book touches on that I really related to, even though I'm not, you know, I'm actually, well, let me say this again. Another thing I, I loved was how you deal with this notion of identity. And if you're not mm. in your job anymore or you're retiring, who really are you? And I know Billy is struggling mm. with that and is part of perhaps why everybody gets dragged in. I mean, it's, it wasn't uh, exactly <laughs> what they wanted to happen on this voyage, but, but what does it mean? What does it mean to even retire anymore? Right, not everybody even gets to retire. Who is exactly who is, exactly who and yeah, people? It, yeah. No, and people who do retire. I mean, how many of them are retiring from jobs that they've had for forty years, right. working for the same organization? Like that's not really a thing anymore. Right, and so I feel like if you have been in that situation, then here comes this entire existential crisis along with it where you're leaving this job that has been a part of you literally since you were 20 years old. This is, this is what, you know, because I, I do feel there's something slightly, you know, kind of underhanded about the fact that they were recruited when they were as young as they were yeah. and kind of shaped into being who they are. Who knows what their lives would have turned out to be if they hadn't been, you know, gotten at when they were 20. And they all signed on willingly. They all wanted to do this. You know, we we see the reasons in the book for why each one of them wanted to pursue a career in assassination. But I mean, that that has to shape you when you're doing that kind of work, when you're keeping those kind of secrets. How does it shape you? And then when you're done with it, who are you? Mm-hmm who are you? Because this is who you've been for 40 years. And now you've got to answer that question. And I feel like, um, you know, some of them are a little more equipped to handle that. Plus, you, you know, you have not just who are you after you've lost or are in the process of losing this job that has defined you, but you know, for Helen, who am I now that this, this marriage is gone and, and that role has been taken away or, you know, Natalie doesn't currently have a man on the string. So who, who, who is she? 
as a single woman, when she's accustomed to, you know, always having some sort of dalliance going on. And with Mary Alice settling into a marriage with someone who literally does not know what she does for a living, you know, was that a wise move, Mary Alice? Should you perhaps have told her at some point what you do for a living? So they, I mean, they've all got things that they're wrestling with, but, you know, in the meantime, they've got people to kill. (laughs) I mean, really, when you think about it, that is what empty nesting is. It's retirement. It's it's a forced retirement Mm -hmm. from a job that you chose Mm -hmm. 20 years before, 18 years before, and you might not want it to end, but it, it comes to an end and you can't really get it back. And I think, and it's all with your identity and everything is wrapped up in it. And you've got a skill set that might not necessarily translate to anything else that you want to do. Yeah. So whether you're a whether you're a mom, whether you're a killer, you know, yeah, you've got, all the same. You have these skills that might not be appreciated. So yeah. Well, it is hard, especially as people live longer and longer. So I don't know really what mm-hmm. the answer is. Is the answer always to find the next new thing? Be a writer? Read? I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, for me it's 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 always going to be storytelling. And I mean, and I've had the empty nest because my daughter's 27, about to turn 28. So I've I've done the mom thing and now I'm doing the the you know parent of a grown child. I'm a mother-in-law, you know, so it's a it is a very different role. And uh, you know, kind of being on the on the other end of it now and going, oh, okay, so the, the years when they need you, need you, need you. Are, are over. And then what do you do with that time? What do you do with that, you know, that sense of being completely necessary to someone and the role changes. And for me, it's changed in wonderful and amazing ways. And I, I have loved those transitions, but I know for a lot of people, that's a really, really tricky, tricky thing to get through. And so that was, that was kind of what I, I put my poor killers through. <laughs> <laughs> Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Are these characters returning? Do you have plans for them in any way? Or any um, subset like, any oh. subset of them? 
<laughs> All I can tell you is people are talking and discussions are being had. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> it's cryptic. It's a cryptic and unsatisfying answer. And I'm very sorry, Zibby. That's okay. I kind of, I understand. I get it. It's fine. Well, I have a feeling this is not the end of these characters. I'll just leave. We'll just throw that to the universe. Wait, that sounds like a lovely thing to throw out at the universe. <laughs> but where, like, where are you from? How did you even get involved in writing at all? I know you were picked for this project, which is so cool, but where did this come from? Did you always want to do this? Oh yeah. 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 I'm a, Sixth generation Texan on my mom's side, on my dad's side, you know, his mother was English. And so I had all these like unusual English children's books that I read when I was growing up. So when I started writing, I started publishing, my novels have all been set in Britain. They feature British characters. So that, and that was another huge departure for me is writing characters because I think only one other time have I ever written American characters. And so that was another, you know, kind of change of voice, change of perspective that I, I kind of had to navigate, which was <laughs> great fun. I mean, I loved it. It was just, it was a big change. I, I wrote, yeah, I, I was always going to be a storyteller, always. I remember being super excited when I learned how to print because I could get stories out of my head and onto paper. And I was like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. And I double majored in college in English and history because I knew I wanted to write historical fiction. And I wrote my first novel when I was 23. And it's in a box in my attic because it's not good. But it took me um, 14 years after that to get published. But I've been you know, working and, and publishing ever since then and have been very, very lucky. And this... You know, this project came at exactly, you know, kind of having that wide open brief, just, hey, do you want to write something cool about older women? And then being able just to do whatever I wanted was a huge risk that just came at the perfect time because I had never told anybody that I wanted to write a contemporary. That was something I was sitting on until I had just the right thing to do to take that risk with. And then when this, you know, idea cropped up, I, I everything just clicked into place. And I was like, this is the one to do that with. This is the time to kind of, you know, walk that tightrope and just scare the bejesus out of myself, um, <laughs> which I love to do when I work. Like I love to scare myself when I work. So this is that have, time. Uh, do you have like a little posse like this too? Of your like three best friends? Or... <laughs> um, and no, not to this extent where there, there are women in my life who are, and a couple of men who are, just incredibly supportive and they always have my back and they're the ones who don't flinch when I say, you know, Hey, I've got to kill somebody on paper. So (laughs) (laughs) how does this strike you? And I, you know, I, I, I had a couple of writer friends that I would moan to. And when this all got to be a little too much and a little too scary. And I had one pal in particular who texted me one day when I was really having kind of a crisis of confidence and just texted me and said, if you're writing authentically, you cannot fail. And so I printed that out and taped it to my monitor and just carried on. So I love that. Yeah. As long as you're having fun doing it, other people will have fun reading it, right? That, you know, that's what it came down to. You know, anytime I had choices to make in kind of structuring a book or choosing who these characters were and how they were going to react in a, in a specific situation, I 
always defaulted to, well, what's going to be the most fun to write? Because whatever's the most fun to write is going to be the most fun to read. And that, you know, like I told you at the beginning of this chat, that was the point was for people to have fun. Do you think that there is a killer in each of us? I know when, when uh, Billy was being recruited and she's like, okay, I guess I'll be a killer now. And the man was like, oh, you were already a killer. We just had to get you to admit yeah. it or something like that. Yeah. No, I think there are some <laughs> people who are absolutely not capable of it at all. But I, I think far more people are capable of it than actually do it. And, and I think different people would have different motivations. A lot of mothers would kill to protect their children. You know, like, like that's just a primal thing. And so I, I, I think a lot of it depends on circumstances and, and motive and whatnot. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> I know. Cause I was like, well, I definitely wouldn't kill. And you're like mothers. And I was like, well, yeah, of course I would like kill. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Like you think, oh, that's such a cynical thing to say that so many people would be killers. And then you go, but what about your kids? Yeah. And then every, everybody goes, oh, well, that's a, that's a gimme. Of course I'd kill to protect my kids. So, you know, I remember growing up, my mom was always like, you know, I would die for you. I would, you know, if there was a, a car coming, like I would step in front and I would just kill myself, you know, I would put myself, and I always felt like I had so much responsibility knowing that. You know, like, what was I supposed to do with that? Like, okay, well, thank you. Like, I, I didn't know what, quite what to make of that, but anyway, it's the same as the the killing for someone else, I think. It's like, yeah. all right, well, good to know. <laughs> and then you have kids and you're like, oh, okay, I get it now. Yeah. Now I understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you like to read? Oh, you know, I, I love to read biography and memoir, especially the really chatty kind. I love to read, you know, celebrity memoir. And I am, I have just started a couple of years ago reading thrillers because I'm a huge chicken and I never would read them. And that changed a couple of years ago. I was going on a beach trip and saw a book and I just fell in love with the cover and uh, which, you know, it's shallow, but we do that. And I (laughs) I looked at the cover and said, I have to read this book. And it was a beautiful Nigerian girl with great big green, sassy green sunglasses on. And the reflection in the sunglasses was a butcher knife. And the title was my sister, the serial killer. Yes. By Jessica something? Oh, Yinkin Braithwaite. And it was phenomenal. And so I realized, okay, I can read thrillers. I just need them to be like domestic thrillers. So I started off with domestic thrillers and, you know, I, I branched out slowly but surely from there. But that was, that was like my gateway thriller that got me <laughs> into him. And so recently I just finished Amina Akhtar's Kismet which is a thriller that's set in the desert Southwest and near a, a spa and wellness center. And, you know, I sent her a, a message on Twitter saying, oh my God, it's been two weeks. And I haven't stopped thinking about this book. It's still creeping me out. And she's like, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I am still, I'm definitely still thinking about that book. So for your next project, these ladies aside for the moment, are you mm-hmm. going back to historical? Are you going to stay contemporary? Are you doing both? What are you thinking? I have just turned in the eighth book in my Victorian mystery series, the Veronica Speedwell series, getting ready to start book nine. And I do actually have another historical project or or a a contemporary project or two that I'd like to try. So we will see what happens. How long does it take for you to whip out each of these books? You're making it sound like it's like so fast. (laughs) (laughs) My sweet spot is about nine months. Two a year just feels like too much to me and one a year is not enough. So nine months is kind of where I'm most comfortable. It gives you time to... I don't love to write when I have to promote. 
I like to be able to focus on one thing at a time because there's such different skill sets being a writer and being an author. And so I, I really like to compartmentalize and not. So while I'm doing all of the promotion for killers of a certain age, like my, my Veronica Speedwell is like girlfriend is in the closet with the door locked. Like, <laughs> I'm not even thinking about her right now. And in a couple of weeks when everything slows down, I'll buckle down and start writing book nine in that series. Amazing. Would you go, have you gone on a cruise? Would you go on a cruise? I went on one cruise and that was um, more than 30 years ago. And like now, absolutely not. Absolutely not. But I mean, there's just like you walk around this ship and you're thinking, God, there's so many ways to kill people here, which I mean, I do that. I, I get where the average person probably doesn't do that. But, you know, I mean, come on. Okay. Definitely not going on a on a cruise ship with you, that's for sure. Okay, but I've never actually pitched anybody overboard. I just like to work. That is not the, a huge logistics. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Okay, I like I like theoretical killing. I, okay. I would not do it. I would not do it in person. I feel obliged to issue that disclaimer, Zibi, because you look very nervous. Right? I am a little. I am a little scared <laughs> to even be on Zoom with you. I'm glad you didn't come over. No, I'm kidding. It's fine. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> But I do actually have your address. I should that's point true. Out, that's so. even worse. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. What advice do you have for aspiring authors? Listen to less advice from established authors. You know more than you think you do. You know more than you think you do. You are the only one who knows what it means to write your book. And, you know, a lot of times it's very, very easy to get stuck in thinking that because someone has published books, because they have a successful career going, that they know everything there is to know about publishing, but they don't know how to publish your book. They don't know how to write your book. You know how to do that. And so that is, is a good place to put your focus it's very easy to think that you have to you have to go to a lot of discussions and you have to read a lot of how-to books and you have to assemble every little piece of the writing advice that you possibly can before you can start. And that's not true. The most important thing is just getting stuff down on the page and going from there. Because once it's on the page, you can do anything with it. But until it gets on the page, it's not a book. True. Okay. Thank you so much, Deanna. That was so fun. Thanks for oh, coming on. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for having me, Zoe. You're never going to invite me back because you're I'm not. No, I probably it's fine. Won't. I get it. I, I know. Gonna, I know. I'm going to have like a restraining order against you. But other than that, I get it's it. Great. I get it. I totally get it. <laughs> I support you. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much. Thank you. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.